House of the Lord tonight, how many is happy to be in church? Amen. You can have your seats. We'll do a little sword drill briefly, and then Brother Andrew will come and, 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 and speak for us tonight. How, how many is feeling okay? I'm slightly nervous suddenly. I think I was nervous for maybe the last few minutes. Is anyone else nervous? No. We've got one. Welcome to Young Peoples. We've got a birthday. Happy birthday, Aaliyah. We've got... Sister Mercy, I believe, is her first young people's service. There, welcome. We want to welcome everyone that would be here, and that would be a part of young people's. I have a little thought, just briefly. It'll be maybe less of a sword drill and more of just like a couple minutes of just a, th- a few different thoughts that have been running through my mind. And this, this little thought of the right attitude, the right attitude, that the, and it Everything that we do, whatever your result will be in life, whatever you achieve in life will have had to start with a certain attitude. If you make it to the end and you made it to heaven, it'll have started with an attitude. And if you made it to the end and and you made it to hell, it will have started with an attitude. It'll have been started with something that would set you on that that path. I wonder if we could turn to Proverbs 4.23. And sorry, Brother Ethan, I didn't do a good job of getting you the scriptures. I did send you a message with a few of them, but... Awesome. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The heart is the breeding ground. When, 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 that, when that parable would go forth of the sower that would go forth to sow, he was putting it in the soil and he's putting different seeds, seeds in the ground. It was a good seed in the ground, but there was different kinds of ground. There was stony, there was, there was rocky, there was, and then there was good ground. That was a representation of our hearts. It was a representation of the place where God would put the seed and the result of your heart, the, the, the condition of your heart was what would bring forth the seed, right? So the, your heart is so important and it's so important to guard your heart from all of the things that the enemy would try to put at you. All of the things that would try to make your heart stony and hard, God wants to give you a soft heart. God wants to give you a heart that's washed by the Spirit and, and filled with the Holy Spirit so that he can move in it and that he can begin to do something. And, and right from that realm of your heart and your soul and your spirit come, comes your attitude and your approach towards God and towards everyone else around you. Brother Branham would say how you treat God is actually how you're treating your brothers and sisters because that's God in them. So everyone that we treat has to be done with the right attitude. Now, we're all going through things. How many's had a battle this week? I know I have. How many's had a battle for the last two years? Brother Andrew's got his hand all the way up. I don't think I've ever had a battle like the last two years of my life. It feels like we've been pulled inside into our own minds so much, and we were forced to spend so much time in our own head, for better and mostly for worse. 
not always. God can overcome and God is overcoming. But there's challenges with that. I guess I could say it that way, not just for worse. It's hard to be always, maybe not always alone, but so much coming at us, so much coming at us, whether it's whatever we look at, whatever we feed on, whether it's the social media, the news, the, the, the things that, the shopping list, all the different things that we can get bombarded with, and then all the opinions of this and that and the other. And we spend so much time in our own head. I don't know if it's any different than, if you're any different than me, but I can spend so much time maybe in my own head. And, and then you start to feel the anxiety and pressure of life. That, that, that those moments where you're, you're down and you're up and you're down, but, and, and you start to feel like, oh, maybe it's my own personality or maybe it's my own weakness or maybe it's just who I am as a person. But I don't believe that we're supposed to be living in anxiety. I don't believe we're supposed to live with these super high, we're, we're supposed to enjoy the mountaintop with God. But I don't think we're supposed to have to accept the super lows that we go through. The things that, the extreme discouragements that we go through and the, those things are natural and the devil, God will allow those things to shape us, but don't let the devil let it pour, you, pour it on you, if you know what I mean, where he takes what, what becomes a discouragement and now he makes it something that's of his own. Brother Branham would say, and if you notice when you're discouraged, that's when the devil can really pour it on you. That's when he gets you. If you come to church and say, well, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever get any better or not. Whether it's your healing, whether it's that thing that you fight, whether it's your anxiety or a mental strain or in the middle of those ages of 10, well, not we're way older than 10, I'm sorry. I'm still nervous. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. The amount of mental pressure that we go through, it's just natural. It's part of growing up. But what you're going through is so difficult, truthfully. Brother Brandon would say that the temptation gets 10 times worse every generation. So I can't understand what you're going through because it's worse than what I went through. But I can tell you, what I went through was not fun. It was a battle. But the devil wants to let you get distracted by all the confusion and change of life and get his eyes, get your eyes on the things of the world and on the discouragement and on all what if someone said or what someone did and get your eyes off of God. But there's a river, there's a place of peace and there's a place of joy. Brother Branham would say, well I don't know, I don't know whether I'll get any better or not. I've, pray, I've been prayed for twice, oh my, you might as well go home, that's all, if you're gonna come with that approach. And then he says this, God don't want you to be frowning. God wants you to be happy. The human heart was made to be happy. Worry, and then he says some very strong things. Worry causes cancer. Temper will cause cancer. Don't never be upset. Just walk in his love, knowing that you're walking in him and nothing can harm you. There's nothing can harm you. There's, no, there's neither powers, things present, things future. Nothing can separate us. When we're in the middle of a storm, that's really hard to see that there's something on the other side, but there's something on the other side. And it's God looking to pull you all the way through. There's nothing that can harm you. We're in him, and we, and we never come in by our own will. He, by choice, his choice, elected. It's no accident that we're here tonight. And it's no accident in the family that you're born into. And it's no accident that you, that you have a desire for God. No matter what the condition is, no matter where you're at in life, if you've got a seed, 
There's something in there that God's going to pull all the way through. He elected us and brought us to him. So it's his business to take care of what he took himself. Whatever problem we have, whatever thing that we go through, it's not just our fight, but it's God's business. The king of kings and the Lord of lords and the one that created all of everything considers it his business what we go through. And he wants to deal with it and he wants to help. Brother Ken Boyer would say something that had always struck me. And it was this, if you want to change your life, change your confession. If you want to change your life, change your confession. If we're constantly saying negative things about our situation, about our job, about school, and about someone else, we have to recognize that what we say, out of the mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So we've got the wrong attitude. It's not just what's coming out of our mouth. There's something wrong inside. There's something that Satan has allowed, a little root of bitterness or something to come down and begin to grow, and then it's manifested to the place that out of our mouth comes negative things. But we can kind of do some changing because if we start to confess what's positive, and if we start to speak the word of God, he who the sun sets free is free indeed, all of these scriptures that we know, all of these promises of God, God can begin to act on our words and begin to work on the inside and begin to change everything from the inside out. Brother Ken would say, if you want to change your life, change your confession, don't always look at the negative and then speak on the negative. Even when we see the negative, we don't always have to say it. We don't always have to dwell on it. We don't always have to think about it and run it through our minds in all the different scenarios. I was talking to someone on the phone and they said something amazing to me yesterday or a couple of days ago, and they were saying, John, one thing I do lately is I, I try to just take a scripture in my mind. We talk about meditating on the word, and what does that mean? He says, I just try to take a, I take a scripture in my mind, and I just spend, spend time thinking about it. And you say, well, why? we know the scripture. Why I get bored easily. That's the thought we'd have, right? That's the thought I would have that the devil would give me. I get, well, why would I just spend time thinking about it? He says, when I spend time thinking about a scripture, then my mind just kind of runs through it. I'm not thinking about anything else. Suddenly what's coming out of my mouth is positive. Suddenly my worry is gone. Suddenly all the other things that would have been dwelling on are gone. And we said, well, we have to think about this in life and that. God will lead you to think about the things you need to think about to take care of your school and your life if you put him first. If you put God first, he'll take care of the rest. He'll lead you to, t- to think about what you need to think about for that and deal with what you need to deal with for that. But when we take those little times where you're you're going on the bus or you're wherever you are, that you have those free moments where your mind can just run. If you put God in that spot, you will start to overcome. When you don't put God in that spot, I know I don't start to overcome. That's where I start to go down. That's where I start to drift away when I'm looking at this, I'm looking at that. When I'm feeding on the right thing, Brother Brandon would talk about those two dogs. The, the man, he went up to the, the native man and he asked, how are you doing? He said, well, pretty good and pretty bad. What do you mean? Well, it feels like there's a white dog and a black dog in me. Well, who wins? It's the good and the bad in, inside of me. And we all have that, whether you're Holy Ghost filled or not. There's, there's a black dog inside that wants to fight. Well, who wins? Whoever I feed the most. Whoever I feed the most. When you begin to set your mind towards the white dog, <laughs> when you begin to set your mind towards what's good, 
when you begin to feed on that and dwell on that, it's amazing what God does. I, I've thought about, I, I've, I've done this many times in life. I don't feel like I'm at where I ought to be. And you know, when you don't, when you don't feel like you're at where you ought to be, and you look at the uphill battle to get to where you know you've been spiritually with God, many times it's demotivating. It requires dying out to yourself, getting serious, and being sincere to go climb up that hill again because you've fallen down, and it's hard. And, and, and that's the spot where you look up and you think, I can't, I don't, I don't even feel like it, and we go dwell on this and we go dwell on that. But if you can do this, I've done this many times where I feel like I'm not where I ought to be, I just begin to pray, God, help me get the desire to go up there. God, help me get the desire to go a little farther. God, help me in this next week to walk closer to you than I have before. And what you find is not an overnight miracle change, but by the end of five days, you're in a different spot. If you begin to dwell in the right path, and if you begin to let God do the process and the work, Taking that little step forward of changing our attitude or changing our thought or changing our confession towards the right thing, it doesn't change it overnight. But in days and in weeks and in months and in years, where you are today, it's been said, where you are today and the thoughts that you take today and the attitude that you take today will impact where you are five years from now. Absolutely, 100%. The attitude you take today will have an impact on where you are in the future. And if you're heading down a wrong path today and you take another step that way, five years from now, you'll feel the effects of it. Not that you can't turn, and, but you'll be at a certain spot because of the things you're doing today. You're investing and you're setting yourself up, whether it's your job, but we're talking spiritually. It applies across the board, but what we want is spiritual success. What we want is God to move. Philippians 4. Verse four to nine says, rejoice in the Lord always, no matter what, always. And I say again, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the, God of, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. In our minds, we'll understand why we should worry. In our minds, we'll see the problems. In our minds, we'll see the storm or the Red Sea or whatever it is. But there's a peace that can pass all understanding. And through it all, no matter what we feel, there's a peace that can flow like a river inside of us and that can take care of all of those situations. And the peace which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds and minds through Christ Jesus and then he gives that this, this, this little description or this little uh, theme that is so important to us. Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, the things that we feed on, can we pass them through this filter? Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, which is strength, if there be any praise, Think on those things, the, the things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Brother Ed had prayed something recently that struck out to me. He said, stuck out to me, not struck out. He said, Lord, help us with our thought life. Each one of us dwells in our own minds 
and in a realm of thoughts, imagination, conscience, affection that no one else knows about. Unless you tell someone what you're thinking, they don't know unless they have discernment. But there's a whole realm that we live inside of that is just us. That is me, myself, and I, and I know what I think about. And everyone has that. It's personal. Lord, help us in our thought life. In those realms, because that's where the battleground happens. It's an individual battleground. And that's where we win or lose, is in our thought life. In the areas that God would, that is the area that we want to give to God. It starts with that, you know, that believing in the heart. Brother Brandon would say you accept something when it's the truth. You accept something, you believe it, then you can confess it. But it starts with that heart. It starts with the thoughts, the, the, the things that we dwell on and our attitude towards it. I'm almost done. There's just a few things that I've been thinking about. One other thing I've thought about is, or some of the things, anyway, there's, one, there's a couple things now that I've been thinking about. I could say it this way. We all too often get so discouraged in the course of our Monday through Friday, and we, we'll hit a spot of a low, we'll hit a spot where, well, it's just the way I am, it's just my attitude, it's just my anxiety, it's just my nerves. It's... Don't let the devil pull that over you. That's the enemy. Those things that'll pull you away, especially those things, there's trials that, are, that, that God allows, and there's things that we'll have to go through. But the, the attitudes and anxieties and fears that pull you away from God, that's the enemy. Those things that make you upset with your brother or sister, that's the enemy. Those things that give you a negative thought towards a brother or sister, that's the enemy. What he does is he stands between two people, he fires a negative thought about him at him, and he fires a negative thought about him at him, and then he watches and sees what happens. And it's the enemy. Over there, we won't have that. It'll be perfect peace, perfect love, and a perfect body. But here we have to fight with that. We actually have to recognize, oh, a critical thought. Oh, that sounds like the devil. Moving on. And I'm not going to say it either. Because we get so carried away, we start to think it, then we say it, and now we've hurt someone else's reputation in the eyes of someone else. But it's the enemy, and he laughs. He just says, oh, we got him now. Okay, there we go. But the enemy wants to get into those areas and, and, and try to, to, to separate and to divide and to do those things. But if we start with the right attitude, if we start with the right thoughts and say, oh, oh, that's the devil's thought. That doesn't seem like that's a good thought. And we start to move past it and move that one aside and then move that one aside. God wants to move through a people that are in one accord and in one mind and the Holy Spirit free and the devil on the outside in the cold. I truly believe that. One last, maybe one or two last things. Sometimes the right attitude, we talk about now the right attitude towards our brothers and sisters, but there's one other area of the right attitude. Sometimes the right attitude, we think it's just happy and pure and optimistic and everything's right with the world. Sometimes the right attitude is to have a little bit of attitude at the devil. To say, I'm sick and tired of you. And I'm not having a happy attitude towards you but I want to have a little bit of fight in me. I recognize the spirit and that's wrong. I recognize that that's the enemy and that's wrong and I'm not backing down. Sometimes the right attitude is to have a little bit of attitude. To say, this is the line and you're done. 
this is the area that I, I'm not giving you another inch. In fact, I'm taking back the inches and miles that you've stole from me because those are my inches and those are my miles. If God has a seat, and I want to say as, as encouragement, because we can go through so many things. Brother Andrew, you can start coming up. I'm slowly winding down. God has so many things. The devil can pile so many things on us in this age as young people. He can pile so many things. Sin, depression, lust, anxiety, pride, negativity, suicide, pornography, so many things that he can pile up. And when you sit under the weight of those things and you look at the mountain, it's really hard to have motivation to get out. It's really hard to find the the drive to get out. But let me encourage you this way. Brother Ed's been preaching on the prevailing seed. If there's a seed inside of you, if there's the least bit of tug inside of you, no matter what, the devil can line up all of the devils of hell. He can line up everything and put it on top of you. Everything, the worst things. He can put a spirit of suicide on you. He can put a spirit of depression on you or lust or, or, or something that would hold you down and then pile it on with this and this and this and this until it feels like 100 tons of concrete and you can't move. You come to church and, and, and you, you do all that you need to do. You, you smile at the right time. You shake your hands at the right time, but inside you're struggling and you're fighting and it feels like there's no way out and I've been to an altar and I've been set free and I've been back again. Or I've never even been to an altar and I have no desire to do that. And I've never, but there's something inside of me. If God has put a seed inside of you, the devil can line up every single one of those devils, put them on top of you, and he can't stop you. God will pull you through. Don't give up. Have the right attitude and begin to say, God, I need just a little bit of a desire to have a desire to look to you. And I want to begin to think right, to to recognize there's a God somewhere that can set me free. There's a God somewhere that can pull me out of the situation I'm in. Sometimes it's a situation that's not even your own doing, but you're surrounded by it. Sometimes it's people around you that put you in a situation. Have the right attitude and know that God can make a way through a Red Sea. God can change a family life. God can change a situation. God can do anything. He's God. Brother Branham would say this, and I'm closing, and I'm not quite sure what song we'll sing, but maybe we'll sing Choose Life. The right mental attitude towards, just the attitude towards any divine promise of God will bring it to pass. If there's a scripture that says, if he who the Son has set free is free indeed, and you have the right attitude towards a scripture about freedom, God will bring it to pass. If there's a scripture that says, by my stripes, by his stripes I'm healed, the right attitude will bring it to pass. If there's a scripture that would talk about how God can forgive you and bury it in the sea of forgetfulness and you begin to approach God and say, God, forgive me for all that I've done, God can bring it to pass. The right mental attitude. I don't feel like I've done the thought justice, but I hope that there's something in there that you can say, okay, I I see what you're saying. That approach to God is so important. And there's nothing the devil can do to stop you when you start to look towards God and cry. Look unto the hills when, from whence cometh my help. I wonder if we could sing that. A choice is set before you now. Oh, a choice. Let's all stand before you now.
living or dying, blessing or cursing. And now the time has come around to turn from your fighting and rest in His mercy. Choose life that you might live, the life that He gives, He gives you forever. Choose life all the way that is true, from the one who chose you, your Father in heaven. One more thought that I was just having. As much as we can have the right, we want to say, oh, I only want to speak the right things. There was a leper that came to Jesus. And behold, there was a leper came out in Matthew 8. And he said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. That leper had to recognize first he was a leper. He had to recognize he had sinned. And he had to have an honest truth with himself and admit that there was a problem. We could confess and confess God, but we have to look honestly at ourselves to know where we're at. This is where I'm at, and I don't like it, and I'm honest about it. Brother Ron Spencer will honestly admit, I have stage four cancer, but I'm gonna fight, and I'm healed. We can honestly look and say, I have sin in my life, or I have anxiety in my life, or I have something wrong, but I'm gonna fight but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to choose life and I'm going to walk that way. Oh, trust the Lord with all your heart, all of your soul and all of your being. Hold on, oh, listen and obey. Surrender your life into his keeping choose life that you might live for the life that he gives he gives you forever choose life for the weight is true that is true from the one who chose you Father in heaven, choose life. Amen. Let's just bow our heads together. As we approach this throne one more time, how many want to just raise their hand and say, remember me in prayer tonight? I just want to touch from the Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, you see every hand that's raised. Lord, you know exactly what we have need of, Lord. These hands are not raised to me, for Father, there's nothing I could say that could help even one. Father, maybe it would be a little advice or something, but Lord, it, it wouldn't last very long. But Lord, if you'd come and speak a word. Lord, if you'd come and answer the need, Lord, and speak to the heart. Fill the ones that have need of you, Lord. And Father, we're here for you. We didn't gather in a man's name. We gathered in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you said, River, two or three are gathered in that name. You'd be there in the midst of them. 
So, Father, we know tonight you're here in our midst, Lord. So we thank you, Lord, for Brother John, Lord, and thank you for the exhortation, Lord Jesus. Father, it, it couldn't have been a better lead-in to the service tonight. But, Father, I pray, Lord, that you come and just make it real. That we'd approach tonight as the right attitude, Lord, and recognize, Lord, the only ones that are in this building is the individual in you. Lord, it's not about who's beside us, Lord. It's just you speaking directly to our hearts. Father, we just want to open a channel, Lord, and ask that you just help us to step in, that you could take it away from there. We love you, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you meet us now. We just want to lift our hands, lift our voices as we have done. And now we lift our hearts. Pray, Lord, come fill it up. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. 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 Let's take our Bibles together. Thank you so much. So said that, that couldn't have been a better lead into the service tonight. Have the right attitude. Sometimes the right attitude is a little bit of attitude. Sometimes you got to get a little snark towards the devil. A little who do you think you are? Okay. All right. We're going to have a fun service tonight, aren't we? <laughs> Amen. I got two empty pews up here, by the way. If any of you sitting in the back want to come sit up in the front, you're welcome to right now. And I suggest you do it before I call names. But, uh, amen. God bless you. Amen. I got, we were just in the front portion. Forgive me, I'm cold, so I'm just rubbing my hands. And it's not nerves as much as I am nervous. I'm, I'm frozen. I don't know about you guys, but it's like winter's upon us. I got a, a brother that works with me that says, no snow till December 1st, so amen. Let's hope for that. <laughs> amen. You got your Bibles? Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. I'll try not to delay it too much longer. I have a thought on my heart that was actually inspired by the last time Brother John spoke, and, and uh, we want to just take it this way. and. My title tonight may seem a little strange to some, perhaps, but I want to take a title of Swimming Lessons. Swimming Lessons. All right, no one's jumping up and down. Praise the Lord. We're just getting started. I really enjoyed that special, Sister Kezia. God bless you. That was the healer's coming your way. Amen. The Savior, he's just passing through the pews tonight. Amen. Sister Leah. Happy birthday. Hey, I trust you had a wonderful day, and you probably got a horse and everything for your birthday, right? No. Oh, man. Brother Jared. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, Amen. It's good. We're thankful for one another, aren't we? Hey, Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 says it this way. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And it says that we, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood and against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness, of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And that's where we took last Sunday night from. But verse 13 says, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand... Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Amen. I'm just going to maybe seem strange to stop it there, but really what we want to take it tonight is having your loins girt about with truth. 
and not just having around the loins of literal loins of your body, but rather, as, as Peter would say, and you can read it in the book of, I think it's First Peter, where he says, gird up the loins of your mind. We need to do that. It's the first thing he says. With what? With truth. With the word of God. You've got to get in and study the word of God. You've got to know what it is. It says to prepare, study yourself, show yourself approved. You can say, that's just for ministers. No, it's for all of us. That we'd look into the word of God and we'd know what it is. And as Brother John was saying, he heard from my brother, just take one one thought, one scripture, and just ponder on that a while. So I don't like reading an awful lot good. It doesn't take long to read one verse. And just start thinking about that. Because it doesn't matter how much you don't like thinking, you all think. <laughs> all right? We all think. We all use our mind. We all have a thought process. We all go through these things. So put something good on there. Yeah. Amen. You, see, you hear it all the time. Someone's playing a radio over here. Someone's playing something else over there. Put something good on that. Put something good on the radio. Put something good on the CD player. Put something good on the MP3 player, on the iPod, on the podcast, on the whatever you listen to regularly. Put something good on there. And there's something you listen to all the time. It's called your thoughts. Put something good on there. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats if you would like, or if you'd like to do all to stand, you may stand. Amen. Brother Branham says in the message, the identified masterpiece of God. He says, oh, Christian friend, put on the whole armor of God. Don't stand back for some little idea of some creed or something that you're standing by. Put on the whole armor of God. You know, we often take that word creed and we like to make that something in denomination, don't we? We like to make that something out there. They got creeds, we got truth. Right? We want to say that. You know, they, they all got this and we got something else. Yeah, it's true. We do have the truth and they don't have the full truth. And okay, we can go down that road. But you could also take it, you can bring creeds right into your own mind. Right into your own thoughts where you begin to say, this is what I live by. If it ain't the word of God, don't live by it. Gird up the loins of your mind with truth. Gird up your loins with truth, not with, with our own ideas of, well, I just live by this certain way. And my creed is that I'm proud in everything that I do, and I take absolute pride in it because I did it with my own hands. You're going to f- find yourself in some pretty sticky situations with that kind of a creed. And that is a creed. But rather, if you take it and you take the word of God and say, I can make mistakes, but I believe that I'm doing what I can to be about the Father's business, now you're, you're in a place where you can, you can come to repentance and you can be proud of what you're doing at the same time. But says this, he says, put on the whole armor of God. When you go to fight against the enemy, like our Lord did, he showed that how the weakest of Christian can defeat Satan just with the word. He had powers. Now, I want you to, to take that statement. I'll back up a second. That, that, that he showed how the weakest of Christians can defeat Satan just with the word. That goes down to every one of us. How many here want to say, I'm a Christian? I'm a Christian. I just believe Christ. I believe that the Lord died for me. That's as simple as it is. I'm a Christian. I believe he died for my sin. It's as simple as that. If you're a Christian and you want to confess that, you might feel like I barely am able to confess that. I'm barely able to say that I'm a Christian. I'm barely able. But he says the weakest of Christians is able to defeat the enemy. And he proved it there. 
with just the word. He had powers. He could have smote Satan the way he wanted to, but he didn't use it. He just took the word and defeated him with it. It's written. It's written everywhere. It's written. So he defeated Satan by the word of God. Amen. And that's exactly the way that we have to defeat the devil. doesn't matter if you're the strongest of Christians, that you've had great miracles in your life, and you've had the wonderful power of God come on the scene for you in many different ways, or whether you've just got enough strength to say, I believe the Lord died for me, and that's all I know. You're able to defeat the devil using the word of God to stand on the word of God and just to take it and say, but I believe this. He can't take that away from you. Amen. But he says this in the message perseverance. He says, you know, people don't believe there's a devil. They still don't today. I don't know who they want to blame for the condition of the world, but people don't believe there's a devil. He says this, he says, I run into him all the time. Uh-huh. I head into him every day. I do too. When Brother John said, how many of you been in a battle? How many of you been in a battle for the last two years? We all ought to put up our hands. Because you're all more than two years old. So you all been fighting your own flesh for at least more than two years. So you've all been in a battle for at least more than two years. It's a bit loud on this monitor, Brother Isaac, just so you know. But, but, but we've all been in a battle for that long, and it seems like it's a war, but it's, it's, and, and it's the little victories. Sometimes there's skirmishes in that battle, and it's those little victories that, 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 are, that encourage you to keep fighting, that encourage you to keep going. It's not that every skirmish you win. There's some skirmishes where you feel like, I'm running and hiding. And that's really a little bit where we're going tonight. It was so good, such a wonderful lead in, into the service because that's a lot of where we're going tonight with, hey, sometimes we want to run and hide. Sometimes we want to get ourselves in a sack and just when the devil comes poking in, just tell him there's nothing here but the potatoes. Nobody's here to pick on. I'm done fighting. We get that way. But I want to go, if you would, to Ezekiel chapter 47. Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 1. I recognize this scripture right away, but it says this. It says, Afterwards he brought me again unto the door of the house, and behold, the waters issued out from under the threshold of the house, eastward and frontward of the house, toward, uh, uh, eastward for the front, forefront of the house stood towards the east. There it is. And the waters came down from under the right side of the house at the south side of the altar and brought he me out of the ways of the gate northward and led me about the way without unto the utter gate by the way that looketh eastward. And behold, there ran out waters on the right side. Now, all of those things actually have spiritual significance, and if you want, you can take that scripture and then ponder on it for a good long time, and, and all of those things, northward, eastward, which way the house is facing, all those things, you can take it to the temple, you can take it to the way the tabernacle was, and you can begin to ponder on those things, but may I don't want to drown you. But it says this, and, and when the man, in verse 3, and when the man had the, that which had the line, 
in his hand went forth eastward and measured a thousand cubits, and he brought me through the waters, and the waters were to the ankles. And he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters, and the waters were to my knees. And he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters, and the waters were to my loins. Afterward, he measured a thousand, and, and, and it was a river that I could not pass over, for the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. Amen. And he said unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. And we'll just stop it there for now. But we find that as he went into the water, a thousand, a thousand, a thousand, the, the, the water got deeper and deeper and deeper till finally even Ezekiel said it was waters enough to swim in and I couldn't pass over it. <coughs> Amen. Could I have some water by chance? Thank you, Brother Jaron. But, but I want to just take a step back now and, and get into our title and into the, the message now, swimming lessons. When you learn, when you, when you learn how to swim, the, the teacher doesn't just take you and throw you in the deep end and say, good luck. That'd be awful, wouldn't it? And, 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 and pretty soon you learn what it's like to have that drowning feeling if that was the case, but that's not the case. The teacher teaches you, and, and the first time you go to swimming lessons, and the first time you, you get there, thank you so much, God bless you, the first time you, you, you get there, and they, they, they take your child, and they'll take you into the ankle deep water. It's barely enough to splash in. It's barely enough to get wet in, but yet the child enjoys himself in there. It's not even waters enough to swim in, but yet that's where swimming lessons begins, and something you literally can't swim in because if you lay in it, you're laying on the bottom. But yet the whole point of it is that you've got to get in there and you've got to give yourself to the water. And you've got to be comfortable laying in the ankle deep water. You've got to be comfortable putting your head under the water and learning how to hold, put your head under there and keeping your arms useful and not having to, to use your hand to plug your nose anymore like I still do. Because I, I never went to swimming lessons, but I, I could learn that. Don't worry. But, but, but you've got to learn those things slowly. And you begin to teach the child and begin to teach the individual, this is how you swim. You can't swim with just one hand. Plugging your nose with the other hand and hoping for the best and maybe just, maybe just float a little bit. But he says, you really, you, you've got to start out in just some ankle deep water. And then they begin to move you up to a knee deep water. Well, now you can begin to float. You're not laying on the bottom anymore when you lay out and you begin to learn how to float. And they move you out into some waist deep water where now you can actually, as a child, you can begin to start swimming. You can begin to start putting and they got a little floaty underneath you and they, they begin to teach you how to swim. I know this is crazy exciting, isn't it? But, but it's all for a purpose. Because, because when you get out into deeper water and deeper water, and, and as you get out into deeper water, you need to know how to handle yourself. If you just run out in that river, for example, as Ezekiel was saying, as he took me out, took me out to find those waters to swim in, and I realized I can't cross, I can't walk across here. It's deeper than my head. And you might be looking spiritually or even not go naturally for a minute. You might look as a child and get in the ankle deep water and you see the big kids and they're going down the water slide and they're jumping off the high board and they're having a wonderful time. And you're going, I want to do that. 
But if you do that, you drown. If you just ride away, no one ever taught me how to swim, but I want to go down the slide. I want to jump off the board, and I'll, I'll be okay. Really? So pretty soon, you're, somebody help me. It's the same thing in the spiritual. You see someone way out there in the water, that they're way out there, they're diving, they're out there in the river, and they're having a great time, and they're talking about the ways of the Lord, and they're talking about the seal, and the seventh seal, and the third pole, and they're way down deep in to speak the word, and oh my, they're talking about the battle of Gog and Magog, they're talking about Armageddon, they're talking about how the faces towards the eastward and the northward, it came from the northward, that's where the eagle was, and you got three tribes over here, three tribes over there, you got the foundations, you got the gates, you got all these things, and you start getting in there pretty soon, you're going, I can't catch my breath. But because to them, they've been in that water. They, they lurked in the ankle. They got comfortable. They jumped down into the, into the, the, the deeper water. They learned how to, how to swim. They learned how to use and hold their breath and do different things. So now they could get into the midst of the river. They could dive in down deep. And if you get a babe in crisis, just come into the message. Just come and be baptized. Just go to revelation of who Jesus is and say, okay, I'm ready to jump in and blah, 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 blah. What is I can't cross? Now let's take Isaiah chapter 59. I want to look at this scripture. We've preached on it so, so, so many times in the last two years. But I want to take a little bit different way tonight. It says this, verse 19, says... So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and the glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And it says, and the Redeemer shall come to Zion and unto them shall turn from the transgressions of Jacob, shall turn from transgressions in Jacob, saith the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord, my spirit that is upon thee and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, seed saith the Lord from henceforth and forever. Now, as we read in that first verse, if you go ahead and put verse 19 up there, Brother Ethan, once again, where it says this, when the, spirit, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Now, sometimes it really feels this way, and it's difficult to understand. When the enemy comes in like a flood. A flood is, is, is something that is very, very strong and very, very powerful, and it's not pretty. I don't know if anybody here has ever really seen a flood. Anybody ever witnessed a flood at all? Maybe in your basement, maybe somewhere else that you've seen the water's flooding or something like that. Yeah, it, it's, you don't go down in the basement, you think, man, I'm going to swim in this. If you've got a flood in your basement. It's, it's, you, you don't think those things because it's nasty. You're going, where did all this filth come from? I thought I cleaned down here regularly. And it's just dirty, murky water. Same thing when there's a flood, when the river overflows its banks and it's a flood, it's not beautiful, clear, and crystal clean water. It's filthy, murky, muddy, sticks, stones, every kind of thing that's been washed up, all washed through with the flood. And he says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. And, 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 and this is often, I'll say, how it feels in the spiritual realm that that as, as John was saying, you know, we don't recognize it's the enemy soon enough. 
that, that we, we get so bound up thinking, I got this, I got this, I got this. And meanwhile, we're trying to swim upstream in a massive flood and we're losing it and then we're losing it and we're constantly losing ground. But our landmarks are gone because the flood is washing them away. And when we've, we've got so caught up in it till we, we realize that I'm, I'm going down for the last time, it seems. But now I, I actually want, just to we'll break it up a little bit, Brother Ethan, if you have that video, I, I'm going to play a video. He sent this to me, and I thought it would just fit in just perfect tonight. And so we'll play the first minute 40, and then if you've seen it before, that's all right. And then we'll pause it for a second. Go ahead, Brother Ethan. It's incredibly scary. Okay, we're backing up. We're backing up. Just right here, live on TV. We saw the road collapse. That is the voice of Fox 46's Amber Roberts. She and photojournalist Jonathan Monte reporting live on air last month when the bridge on which they stood collapsed in Alexander County. They were just feet away. So we took this video to the Department of Transportation, who is responsible for the upkeep of this bridge, as well as bridges across the state. Our Amber Roberts live this morning with the response. Good morning to you, Amber. What did the DOT have to say to you? Well, good morning to you too as well, Brigida. I had the opportunity to speak with the Department of Transportation and they told me that this bridge was inspected this year on October 23rd. And when they took a look at the bridge, there were no major red flags. But then on November 12th, as we all saw, the end of that bridge in the roadway leading into it collapsed, which means something happened over that three week period that compromised that area. Officials tell me they believe that area became compromised when a weather event swept through. This road, this bridge is literally sinking. Take a look at the ground. You can see it caving in. Oh, I've seen this. Fox 46 showed Stephen Rackley with the North Carolina Department of Transportation this footage. It's of me and my photojournalist reporting along a bridge on Cheatham Ford Road in Alexander County when a section of it washed out. Just right here, live on TV, we saw the road collapse. Well, I All right. It's quite a video to be that close to that road, but you've seen the before, how the road is just completely dipped, and yet they're standing right there, thinking it'll never happen. I want you to catch in there, they just inspected this bridge. Just weeks, actually, before the collapse happened, they just inspected it and said, it's all good. The bridge is all good. Everything's in perfect working order. We don't have anything to worry about. If we watch the whole video, you'd find out about 1,400 cars a day pass over this bridge. And they thought, you know what? It's perfect. We're good right here. We were, we're, the bridge is in great condition, but they could not predict this flood would be this strong and this powerful. Are you with me? It gets that way with our walk with the Lord. Where we could put ourselves through an inspection and seem like, you know what, I'm doing okay. This is where it gets personal now. I just want you to take this and realize this is you and God now. And I'm just speaking what the Lord laid on my heart. You could take yourself a test and say, listen, I, I've got a good church. I've got a good job. I've got good friends. I'm in devotions daily or twice a day. What more could I do? 
I go to the special meetings. I'm in the services. I, I'm there every time the church doors are open. I'm having a wonderful time. The inspection goes and it says, it's good. It's on the right path. It can handle the traffic. But watch, because there are floods that are going to cause the bottom to just drop out. Just like that, and there's no defense against it, or it feels that way. Usually, that's exactly how people react. They took this video that they took of the bridge calling, and where they take it? To the, to the transportation board, where they thought, you guys, you're supposed to take care of this. What happened? I thought you guys were taking care of this bridge. How could it possibly go this direction? <laughs> it's exactly how people usually react. They did take care of it. They did everything they thought they could. But they couldn't predict the flood coming. That's right. Something came that was outside of their control. There wasn't nothing transportation district could do. They said, I'm sorry, I didn't build a channel under it deep enough. No, they didn't. They said, we, we thought we had it. We did the best we possibly could. We thought we had it. But listen, brothers, you might look at it and say, well, this brother or this sister, they seem that they were so strong and amazing. They were a leader, but suddenly, just like that, the bottom dropped out. And they were gone. I get serious now. Someone that you might have looked to in your younger years, or you might have looked to now, that you might be saying, there's somebody you could put on your mind where you say, I thought they were a strong leader. I thought they were really somebody. I really thought they were a Christian, but all of a sudden, they just gone. The bottom just dropped up. What happened? Well, we missed the signs. We can watch and be so close to them that literally we can be feet away when the bottom goes. And be scared by it and jump back and feel like, oh, thankfully it didn't take us all with it. And completely miss the signs because we think, well, there's no way they'll actually leave. You with me? completely miss all the signs because you think, well, I'm looking up to them. There's no way that anything could ever go wrong just like them. They're there. They're feet away from a bridge that's going like this. And the floodwaters are rushing underneath and they're like, no, what? You know, no way. And they're shocked by it. Come on. What'd you think was going to happen? It just magically pop back up again and be strong? No, it's, it's falling out. It's just caving in. All the signs are there. The floodwaters are still rushing. You look up here. It's not about to end. It's still coming as far as the eye can see. You look down there. It's taking everything with it. What are we going to do? Well, let's just stand right here and see. Run! But we get to feeling that way where we're standing right there watching a brother or sister go down seemingly for the last time and we go, well, they'll never leave. They got believing parents. Or maybe they're the only ones in their family that believe, so they're going to be really strong. And God sends you by their way to be their friend, and you say, well, you know, once they're gone, you say, well, I mean, they talk about the things of the world constantly. And you might look at them and say, well, I never actually did speak to them about the things of the Lord. But, but, but they won't actually backslide. I mean, Really? Who really backslides? <laughs> you with me? I'm just, this is really serious. I understand it's not going to jump up and say, hey, man, yeah, no. I want you to think about this for real. 
Because we get that complacent in our thinking, we're thinking, this will never happen to us. It's great. But there's signs all around the person's life. That you've been hanging out with them for so long, just a couple feet from them, and watching the bridge sag and sag and sag and say, no, it'll never break. And you can point at some major signs as of sagging bridge. I mean, you, when you talk to them and you hang out with them all the time, all they want to talk about is the news. They just want to talk about fashion. They just want to talk about cars. They just want to talk about boys, girls, video games, joking constantly, jesting all of the time. And you might look back on it in hindsight and say, well, come to think of it, they actually kind of, you know, like the slightly off-color jokes a little bit. Or they complained about the authority in the world or in the church. I guess we just never talked about the Lord. That person never really seemed to talk about the services afterwards. It seemed like they couldn't wait to leave. What is it? You're standing right next to a sagging bridge. It's about to give out. It needs some help. Go ahead, Brother Ethan. Play the next 35 seconds, to, and then we'll shut it off. That's 218. No, sorry. Jump back to minute 40. And just click play. Was make sure everyone was safe. Fortunately, we and others standing nearby were okay. Seeing that on camera like that was concern for us. After that, Rackley and his team started looking into what happened. He says leading up to the collapse, the area was slammed with rain. County leaders estimate as much as 10 inches. That rain dumped into the South Yadkin River flowing underneath the bridge, caused the river to flood and rise high enough to take out the end of the bridge. This is the first time we ever had anything like this. Thank you. Shut that off. So now here finally in hindsight, right? Oh, you know what happened? There was a lot of rain. No kidding. It's easy to look that way when finally someone goes off the rails and backslides and they go down for the last time and it seems like, oh, I see it now. And then all of a sudden we're jumping in the flood with them trying to get them out of there. And they're getting swept away. It's too late. So is there no hope for them? No, I'm not saying there's no hope for them. I believe God could still pull them out. Prodigals come back home. I'm talking about the here and now. I'm talking about where you're at right now, standing next to a sagging bridge going, am I going to try and help or am I going to just stand and watch it go? And then go, oh, no, what was I thinking? Now get in. Oh, now I see the rains. Now I see the flood. Now I see what was all going on. Now I recognize this is what's happening. Listen, God said uh, he'll always raise up a standard. The spirit of the Lord will always raise up a standard. He may have started to raise that standard up with a good pastor. You with me? To put, you, put that individual in a good church and the pastor's there, but pretty soon the devil got in and started putting thoughts in his mind to where he couldn't respect the pastor because he was saying bad things about him all the time. He's trying to tell you bad things about him or she 
And then the next thing you know, he goes down and he says, well, okay, well, there's, there's the other ministry because, you know, the pastor's not getting through, but God puts five-fold ministry in the church, so he's got evangelists in the church. He's got, he's got teachers in the church. He's got apostles. He's got the prophet. Surely he's listening to the word, right? Surely he's listening to the message, and he's going to catch all of those things, and it's going to be wonderful, but he's not respecting those things. So the Spirit of the Lord raised up a standard, but he didn't accept the standard. So finally, he said, what, what happened? Well, the Spirit of the Lord always raises up a standard, so what happens next? He goes down, and he sends a friend. Right there. I mean, you can say, Brother Andrew, show me a, show me a script for a sec. Sure, go read the book of Job. When the enemy comes in like a flood, three friends came in. And they weren't very great. They just rose the waters a little bit. They said, oh, it's flooded. Let me get the hose. Help you out. That's not helping. But there was one friend that came, by the way, named Elihu. With the spirit of Christ. And he come down and strengthened Job. And God sent a friend there to lift him up, to bring him to a place where God can then speak to him. Because God used a friend in that thing. So God may be raising up a standard for this individual. And you might be that individual feeling like, Brother Andrew, my breeze is about ready to drop out. Let me be your friend tonight to encourage you. You don't want to respect me as a minister? Fine. Respect me as a friend to say, it ain't worth it. God sent you to help support that bridge. Let me ask you, did you know how to swim? Did you get caught away in the current, unable to be of any assistance? We forget that that friend doesn't need our sympathy. <laughs> That's the truth. Well, that friend's going through the hard time, and he's coming in there, and he's got everything bad to say about the pastor. He doesn't need you to sit there and say, you know what, I think you're right. Woe is you. You poor guy. I feel for you. I get it, man. Yeah, he was preaching right at you, man. I mean, yeah, I get it. You poor man. He doesn't need that. He might think he needs that. But he doesn't need that. Because now you're babying the devil. Because that ain't him saying those things. That's the devil saying those things. You're giving him those thoughts over and over and over and over again. And now you're, you're agreeing not with him. You're agreeing with the devil saying, yeah, I like that guy. What he needs is the word of God. Because the Bible says that the word of God will not depart out of your mouth. Not your mouth, the seed's mouth, or that seed's seed. Well, how is he raising up the standard? How is he going to bring that individual back? He's going to do it because the word of God is what defeats the enemy every time. Any time, any place, and anywhere, the word of God always defeats the enemy. So we're not going to defeat the devil in somebody's life by coming on down there and saying, Oh, woe is you. But rather putting our arm around them in Christian love. And saying, I do understand but listen, this is what the word says. Amen. I might not be the preacher telling you what the word is, but let me be your friend telling you this is what I was reading the other day. Amen. They're facing the enemy, and they're about to be swept away. God always sends somebody with a message, someone with help. Someone with the standard. He says in perfect faith, he says, now, so that I'll be, and I'll get, I'll get the prayer, prayer of faith on everyone. Let's get everybody of you to put your hands on one another. That's believers. Just reach over, cross your hands on each other. This is where we're going to find out something in a few minutes. 
I'll see just how advanced my church is and what we believe, see just how advanced the people are, how they're ready to take the sword and walk out in the front line and say, I challenge you, Satan. See, now what Brother Bram's doing, he's putting it not just on the preacher and the pope, but he's putting on everybody out there that says, I'm a believer. He says, now it's up to you to take the sword of the word and say, I challenge you, Satan. I'm ready to take and I'm ready to stand and I'm ready to gird up the loins of my mind. I'm ready to pick up the shield of faith and quench the fiery darts of the devil. I'm ready to pick up the sword of the word, ready to go on the offensive against the devil. I'm ready to do these things. He says, we'll see where the church is really at. You, you can't. You, you, you can't make me disbelieve anymore, Satan. What are those things done for so that people will believe it's the word? It's where it shows that I'm preaching to you the truth, the word, the word made flesh, made flesh in you, made word, made life in you, made life in me. That's what it has to be. You say, well, they got the same Bible that I got. How come they're not overcoming like I got? But the same Bible that's living in you needs to live in them. And maybe it needs some of your life. It needs a bit of a transfusion of blood because it needs a brother and a sister to go by their way and say, I got the life. Let me help you have it too. That's why last, last, last young peoples, we did those, this, and I feel like I have to live up to it because Brother Ed's talked so highly of it. Had three young brothers come and take the service. They did such a phenomenal job. But why did we do those things? Why? Because some of us sometimes need to realize it's not just Brother Andrew, it's not just Brother John, it's not just Brother Ed, it's not just Brother Max, it's not just Brother Moses, it's not just Brother Harold, it's not just the deacons, it's not just the trustees, but there's young men just like you that are going through the same battles that you're going through, and you know what? They make mistakes, they trip, they fall, but they get up and they're overcoming by the Spirit of the Lord. Just like I trip and fall. You talk about the highs and the lows, Brother John. You want to know the life of ultimate highs and lows. It's called be a Holy Ghost-filled preacher. (laughs) It's the ultimate high to get behind the pulpit and have the anointing come by and everything just goes amazing. And the week after that, you're like, oh, can we go back to that? (laughs) Can I have that anointing again, please? It feels that way. I'm just giving you a little insight into a life of a preacher. That's, That's a high and that's a low. That's a high and that's a low. It's a high and it's a low. That's in the flesh. A little bit in the spirit, but the the soul doesn't go there. But what happens? You don't notice a lot of us get up and we're a one and done. You don't see a lot of best preachers, Holy Ghost filled preachers get up and they preach once and they're like, that's it, I'm done. It was too hard for me after that. It's hard, but there's something in me that keeps me. It gets me back up there again and be able to study and study and get ready for the next service for the benefit of the people. That's what God called me to do. That's what God called Brother Ed to do. That's what God called Brother Harold, these different brothers to do. But it's not just for us. God needs to use you. So that you're willing to stand and take the sword and say, I challenge you. And I just come to church to be a bystander and watch the preacher challenge the devil. We get that way sometimes, don't we? Hey, I've been, I know this is a hard service. I understand that. But it's swimming lessons. The first ones are always the hardest. I got two sons that went through swimming lessons. It took them like six lessons to even get their face in the water. It's like, we're paying for you to be here. Get your face in the water. I'm scared. You do it in the bathtub. I'm scared here. (laughs) But he's got to come down to this to say, what about you? 
We want to come to church and bring our little devils with us and say, preacher, get rid of this guy for me. All right, we'll preach and we'll do what we can. But it takes your faith. You got to stand on the word. You got to believe. You got to believe for you. And when you get victory, then put your hand over on your brother, over on your sister and say, now I'm here to fight with you. It says again in the message, perfect faith, he says, these signs shall follow them that believe if they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. If you say this mountain be moved and don't doubt in your heart, but can believe, if he can create squirrels who has no way at all or nothing there to believe, it's my own faith that goes and does that. My faith in what he asked, what he challenged me to ask. He's explaining the way the squirrels were created. He says, it was my faith in what God challenged me. He said, you need squirrels? Speak. How many you need? Three? Speak. You speak. God didn't come down and say, all right, you need three squirrels? Here's three squirrels. No, he said, you speak and tell me where they're going to come, how they're going to come, what kind of, what color, what exactly what they're going to look like, how old they were. God created a year-old squirrel. Oh, the eternal mind of God. He says, it was my faith in what he challenged me to ask. He challenged me to ask it, and I received his challenge. Who's challenging? God's the one challenging. And I received his challenge in obedience to his word. I asked it, and it appeared. Exactly what he said, whatsoever you say to this mountain... Whatsoever you say, the faith, the word of God is challenging us as young people, is challenging us as believers. Are you going to step out and speak? Are you willing to step out and claim the victory? Are you willing to step out and challenge the devil on the word of God? Or do we fold too quickly? Because we take it all the time, don't we? Where we, we want to challenge the devil and say, all right, I'm not doing this anymore. We get that. We get it. We stay up late at night. Let me just be very honest. You stay up late at night on your phone and you're on there. You're on whatever you're on. I don't really care. You're on whatever you're on and you're doing everything. You're on your phone. It's something you shouldn't be on and you're doing all these different things. And you're finally come down at the end of the night and you're so tired. And finally you get down and you say, okay, Lord. I'm done, and I'd challenge the devil. I'm not doing this anymore. A week goes by, and you're like, I'm overcoming. This is great. But then it gets hard because you're home alone now. Mom and dad are gone. Brother and sister are gone. It's just you, and you're bored. You're so bored. And the devil's like, hey, tap, tap, tap. That phone, yeah, it's funny. Remember how you could spend hours on that thing, just watching YouTube and scrolling through Facebook and going through Instagram and going through all these things. We spend hours on that man. It's so much fun. You remember those times? And you're like, oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are good times, right? I remember that. I'd stay entertained for days. I'd never be this bored. Why am I so bored? No, no, no. I'm not going to do that, devil. No, no, no. I told you I'm not doing that anymore. No, no. We're good. I'm not going down that road anymore. Ten minutes later, man, I'm so bored. What am I going to do now? I'm so bored. I thought I overcome the devil because I, I picked up my Bible and I read five pages. <laughs> and I read some more and I, I thought, man, but now I'm near falling asleep and it's only, it's only 7.30. I can't go to bed at 
I'll be up by 5 o'clock in the morning ready to go. I don't work till 10. What am I going to do? I'm so bored. Is this hitting home yet? So you feel like, hey, listen, I, I made it. I challenged the devil. I know I've overcome this thing. I'm good. And finally, you know, I made it through, made it through night one. Day two rolls around, you work from 10 till 2, and you work from 4 till 7 on another job. You get back home, and you're like, all right, I'm back home. Mom and dad are gone again, and I'm the man of the house, and this is wonderful. Here we go. We're going to have a wonderful time. And I'm so bored. I knew I shouldn't have picked up Wendy's on the way home. I could have spent an hour making supper, and now I'm full, and I don't want to make anything. And I, what was I thinking? Tap, tap, tap. Hey, remember that? I wonder what so-and-so's doing these days. Oh, yeah, that's a good excuse. Yeah, yeah. I haven't, I got to touch base with so-and-so, right. We're going to scroll through Facebook here and figure out what so-and-so's got going on. And he's going, yeah, that's right. I got my toe in the door. Are you preaching against Facebook? No, I'm just telling you this is the tactics of the enemy. He gets you alone and he gets you so bored out of your mind till he's like, yeah, you think you challenged me? Come on, boy, I'm going to teach you how to fight. You want to put on the gloves and get in the ring with the devil, you better get ready to take a few knocks. But greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Oh, he's going to punch you. He's going to come in like a flood. There's going to be times where you're going to want to hide. Just don't be there anymore. There's going to be those times. There's going to be times where you're going, yeah, I'm fine, mom and dad. You guys go away for the weekend. Everyone take everyone. This is going to be wonderful. I'm my own man. And then halfway through the year, calling mom and dad. Hey, what's going on? Everything okay? Yeah, we're doing great. Why are you calling me? I don't know. I'm just bored. Why do we get that way? Those are the times that you're ready to overcome. Those are the times you got to be ready. Hey, if you got to go to bed at 7 o'clock in the morning, wake up at 5, do it. Or, God forbid, you do the dishes so when mom gets home, she doesn't got a sink full of dishes. <laughs> I'm just saying, you say, well, I, I, the only way I can overcome the devil, Brother Andrew, is by reading and praying. I got to read and pray, 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 read and pray. Right? I'm so bored. Yeah, you can be about the Father's business doing whatever it is you're doing. Go clean your room, about the Father's business. Put a tape on in the background. Put some good music on in the background. And be about the Father's business. Lord, I I just got to clean my bedroom, so I'll just clean my bedroom. Uh, it's, it's coming on 6,000 kilometers on my car. I guess I'll change the oil. I usually leave it till 15 or 20,000, okay, because I'm a rebel. But we'll do it now. Hey, I got nothing else to do. Everyone else is gone. I don't know what to do. Maybe if I really got to pick up my phone, I'm going to phone up Brother Max, and I'm going to say, Brother Max, you're living home by yourself. What do you do? Maybe you could help me. Oh, I don't want to admit it, though. I don't want to admit that I'm struggling at home by myself and the bridge is starting to sag. 
I can't tell nobody all these struggles I'm going through. I can't tell anybody that I, I think these thoughts. I can't tell anybody that I'm struggling. I've challenged the devil, and you know what? I have a wonderful time at the altar, and God help me, he's overcome. And then it seems like five weeks later, I'm just right back in the same boat, and I, I'm fighting it. I can't tell anybody, though, because I made that stand. They're going to think less of me. Once again, the devil says, I got a foot in. He's thinking my thoughts now. You know, God can send a friend by your way, but you got to let the friend in. If you're that one that's drowning and going down, you feel like, God, it's sagging, it's sagging. You got to let the friend in. Sometimes you got to stop and say, okay, it's not about what I want to talk about. What do you want to talk about? It's not about everything I got going on in my life. Sometimes I just need to sit and listen to so-and-so and hear what they want to say because what they can say might be what I need to hear. But the problem is I'm so busy telling them about all my, trying to brush over all my problems like a boy whistling in the graveyard because I feel like the bridge is starting to bow and it's starting to break. But I don't want them to, to see that, so I just keep throwing asphalt on top. See, it's still level across the top. All the supports are gone. The bottom's washing out. Now, let me give you an example of Brother Branham. What it takes to stand up to the devil sometimes. And you can take this naturally. You can take it spiritually because this goes a lot of different ways. He says, some time ago, an infidel crossed the country. He says, oh, I, I guess 50 years ago. He said, he was converting people from Christianity to infidelism. Now, that's a conversion. He says, but when his mother was dying, the only thing he could say is, ma, just grin and bear it. <laughs> what a consolation to give a mother in her death, death hours. This infidel that had gone around, he's converting people, he's proving Christianity wrong, he's going all his own way, and he comes in his own mother's dying, and he's just grinning and bear it. It's all he's got. It's the best comfort he's got with his creed. But he says, and he says, he, so he went all over England, and he had a lot of converts there. No preacher would attack him, no sir, because he was smart and shrewd. He just cut them down. Most of the preachers and things, and he says, and a friend of mine who stood and, and, and even shook his whole foundation when, when he stood there with a bottle of sulfuric acid right down in Memphis, Tennessee, he had a bottle of sulfuric acid. And he said, any of you people that's supposed to be Christians, Mark 16 said, they shall drink any deadly thing and it will not hurt them. That's what Mark said, so if that's the inspired word of God, drink this sulfuric acid. There you go. That's a challenge. Sounds a lot like Goliath, doesn't it? Stand up and boast against the armies of the living God. But here's a modern day Goliath. Smart, shrewd, great man. But he come on down and says, here, you want a true Mark 16? Drink any deadly thing? Here you go. Here's a bottle of sulfuric acid. Drink it away. Have at it. If you really believe that's the inspired word of God now, then now it really puts in a place where you're going... Okay, do I drink it? Do I come up with a scripture against him? What, what do I do? The devil does loves doing this. Because he might not bring somebody by your way, like this infidel, to put a bottle of sulfuric acid there, but he'll put thoughts in your mind. 
<laughs> You're really a Christian? I've seen the way you looked at her. You're really a Christian? I've seen the way you looked at that. I've seen the way you've done this. I, I see how you spend your time. I see what you do in your private. I see that. I see. He's smart at that. You really think the word of God could change your desires? I've seen that you like that same old skirt that's too short and slit halfway up the same way you did before you said you had an experience. And he wants to challenge you on that. Now it's up to you. Now what are you going to do? Let me tell you what happened here. Then we'll come back to that. It says this. He says, and some of them said, well, they said, why thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. That sounds pretty good, eh? The devil's smart, though. He says, oh, so I shall not tempt him by asking him anything either? He said, maybe he can't be disturbed. If he can't back up, thou shalt drink any deadly thing and it won't harm you. Maybe he can't back up salvation. Maybe he can't back up healing. Now he's got people wondering, what do I do? Listen, and one thing happened. He says, I have to tell this too. He says, well, there was a big old country boy sitting way back there with hair hanging down his neck and overall jacket on, and he walked up, teeth sticking out the front, you know, and his hair hanging down in his face, and he walked up toward the platform, reached over in his overall pocket, pulled out a big apple, and he just began peeling it with a knife. And the infidel said, Sap, what do you want? And he said, well, I just want to ask you something. And he just kept peeling the apple. He said, well, what do you want? Or I'll have you throw it out of here. He said, just give me a minute. Give me my time. A little deafening silence, eh? Here's this guy making his big bulls drink this, and here's this other guy just up there peeling an apple in the middle of the church. Could you imagine? What would you say? Here comes somebody with hair down the back of their neck and buck teeth sticking out, and they're up here. Just give me some time, would you? He'd all be sitting there going, what in the world is going on? Finally, he gets this apple peeled, and he takes a big old bite. He says, tell me, is this apple sweet or sour? And the infidel says, I don't know. I'm not eating. He says, exactly. He turns around and walks down. That's all he said. The says, that's exactly right. You ain't tasting the word of God. How do you know if it's true or not? Who are you to defy the armies of the living God? Who are you to make this great boast when you don't have a clue what the word of God can do? All you know is that you don't believe it. So who cares? Amen. I ought to have settled it right there, but that man still didn't have enough sense. So we got on down there, we know, and he said, And he, and he had him in a spot, and, 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 and the Holy Ghost began to move on him and say, stand up there. And the old bishop turned to get to his brother Roy Davis, who the Holy Spirit began to move on him, and he began to, the Holy Spirit began to move, tell him to stand up there. But the bishop next to him said, sit down. And that infidel makes that challenge one more time. Brother Roy says, I'll die in my, if I die in my shoes, I'll go to heaven believing God's word. So he said, now listen, son, sit down. He's just popping his own brain, let him alone. Nothing wrong with that. Because that's the truth. He's just off in his own way. He ought to have been settled with that little hillbilly coming up there saying, listen, you don't know what the word of God is sweet or sour, so quit calling it sour. You ain't never tasted it. But he come up one more time. This, this infidel come up and, and, then he, and he said, 
And he come up and make his big challenge again and big, ha ha, and he held his watch up and he said, if there's a God. But Brother Roy stood up and he said, if there's a God, I'll die in a minute. If there's no God, I'll die in a minute. But he said, he waited a minute and he said, didn't I? Or sorry, the man said, watch, if there's no God, I'll die in a minute. And he stood there and waited for a minute. He said, didn't I tell you there wasn't no such thing? Ha ha, like that, and off he went. So Brother Roy made the challenge. He said, why? Why not some of you guys out there that believes that God is real? Try this sulfuric acid test. Now, Brother Branham says, now, he says, I'm not telling you to go play with serpents. He says, I don't believe that. He says, if I was out in the water baptizing somebody and a serpent come up and grab me, I'd just shake it off and continue on baptizing because if, if a serpent strike them, it won't, it won't harden them. If they take any dreadly thing, if someone tries to slip me poison, I'd just believe in the Lord for my healing. It wouldn't harm me. He says, but I'm not going to go out and, 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 and try all these things on purpose just to prove the scripture is right. But this man come and make a challenge. And Brother, Brother Davis walked up on the platform. He's, he's got a notary public statement on this. And he walked up there and he said, Christian people, he said, listen, he said, and he said about two or 3,000 sitting there. And he said, I'm 25 years old. He said, I'm a minister of the gospel. Now, I want you to put yourself in these shoes for a minute because some of you are even this age. He says, I'm 25 years old. And he's got his whole life ahead of him. He's making a very serious decision right now where he's got his whole life where he could say, I could walk away from here, go somewhere else and not have to worry about this man. And I could go start a church in some back country and not have to worry about this infidel at all. We could have a wonderful time. I got my whole life to serve the Lord. But I come down to this one moment where he says, listen. He says, I'm a minister of the gospel and I know that my God is able to deliver me from that. And nevertheless, if he does or does not, I'll never let that infidel stand there and with that in his hand and challenge God's word. I'll meet you in glory. And he grabbed it out of his hand and drank every last drop right down. Drank that sulfuric acid. And then he stood there and preached the gospel. Proving to them it didn't hurt him. He stood there and preached the gospel and 1,500 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost setting in that meeting. Now that's a stand for the devil when it really gets right down to that point where he likes to push the button, push the button, push the button, push the button, but right when it's in that weakest moment where he's saying, I just can't take it any longer. Are you going to stand for what's right or are you just going to give in? Brother Davis was 25 years old. Out his whole life had him. He could have just said, you know what, Bishop, brother, you're right. I'm just going to take a step back and I'll just let him pop his top and not be worried about it. He doesn't know what he's talking about anyways. But he had to stand up and say, this man, he's not challenging my idea or my creed. He's challenging the word of God. I want you to catch that very clearly now. It wasn't that this infidel was challenging this man's ideas. He wasn't challenging what somebody had preached. He wasn't challenging what somebody had stood up and had an ideology. He wasn't even challenging anything the Catholic Church thought was the truth. He took the word, big mistake, devil, and challenged the word. And it's the word that defeats the enemy every time. Now, I'm trying to bring this to a close, but you got a few more minutes? All right. If you need to stand up and stretch, you go right on ahead. It won't bother me. I'm doing that all the time. You wave my arms. I'm just stretching. It's okay. 
It says in, in, in the message of the contest, he says, I think that's a very good thing for Christians to do. That's right. Now, if you, if you want to start training, now we're talking about swimming lessons. You want to start swimming, start with John 3.16. Start right out with that. That'll get you on the floor. And then train for the knockout punches. See, you don't, you don't train someone to swim. You don't start them out and say, here's the race. Little Johnny, get him, get him in there. Get ready, set, go. Olympic race. You start him out teaching him how to swim. You'll get to the race. But you got to learn how to use your body first. You got to learn how to swim. You got to learn how to float. You got to learn how to do these things. This is the same thing in a fight. You don't instantly start teaching somebody. You don't get him in a ring and teach him uh, martial arts and teach him boxing and say, this is how you knock somebody out. No, you teach him the basics. This is how you defend yourself. He says, start there with John 3.16. He also says, start with the golden rule. Which is what? Does anyone know the golden rule? Thank you, Brother Do unto others as you would have done unto you. Start there. Start with that. It's as simple as that. Start with the right attitude. He says, just remember God uses his word. We must remember that God uses his word to defeat the enemy. If God would think or could have given his people anything better to defeat the enemy with, he would have done it. Think about that for a second. Because we got ideas. We, we wish we had power in our fingers just say, devil, go away. And boom, it's gone. We wish we had some sort of thing that we, we could just, this would just be so much easier. But he gave his word. If there was anything better, he would have given it. Just like he said, I go to, place a, go to prepare a place for you. If it wasn't so, I would have told you. Listen, turn with me to John chapter 3, seeing as you're intently listening. It says, when God makes a decision, that's the best that there is. He never has to alter his decision. So the first decision God gave his people in the Garden of Eden to combat the enemy was his word. And they were fortified with his word. And as long as Eve stayed behind that word, the enemy couldn't get a single toehold. But because she stepped up from, from behind it, she, allowed, she was allowed to reason with the serpent. Stepped up behind the word of God. John chapter 3 and verse 14. How many knows what happened in the beginning of John chapter 3? Somebody help me out here. Nicodemus. Exactly. Nicodemus. Nicodemus had a personal interview with Jesus. Oh, I'd like that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I get one every morning, every night when I pray. Just so you know. You're welcome to it. But he had a personal interview in flesh with Jesus. He says, this man was a ruler and a teacher of the Jews. Now, I want to just lay some things out here. The Pharisees and Sadducees really majored on the law. They knew it inside and outside. They had something, if you look it up, they had something called phylacteries, which is a little pouch on their arm that they would take, and they would put scriptures in there. And when they were debating, they'd pull these little scriptures out, and they'd look, because you couldn't carry around a whole scroll. The scroll of Genesis, the scroll of Exodus, and the next day you're coming to church with your Bible, you know. 
I got it all here, all 66 books. No, they just had the little scriptures that they would use, and those were the little favorites. We're like, we have, you know, we do the same thing. We like, God so loved the world, and we love to throw it in there. We like, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. We like to throw it in there. We like, to, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That's just a little flactory you got in your arm where you like to pull that one out every once in a while and, and preach it, hit it hard, because it means something to you. You know it's the truth. But they were really heavy to that. They would come, and it wasn't just to defeat the enemy. They did it to debate one another. They had all kinds of different ideas that they thought, well, you know, I'm going to pack this scripture and this scripture so I make sure I get it right. Because when, when you're getting into a debate with somebody that's everything's intellectual, my goodness, if you say the punctuation wrong, they'll call you out on that. And that's exactly the way it was. You had scribes that had to, 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 to um, write out by hand the word of God and they would copy it out and copy it out. And they had to know it, punctuation and every little thing in, in the Hebrew writing and every little mark and everything had to be just so and just perfect in order to make it mean just the right thing. And, and, and their theology and their ideology of the Torah was so important to them, but it, it, it must have felt like to many of them, like they were constantly drowning in rules and regulations. Because it wasn't just good enough they had all these ones in the Torah and everything. They've got thousands of pages of other books that adds to that and adds to that and adds to that. And they got all kinds of different books that they study and that they go through and that they believe to be the truth and the Mosaic Law and all of these different things that they try and put in there. And it's like you're just drowning constantly. And sometimes it can feel that way as a message believer when you're just a young person and there's just there's so many walls and there's so much water and there's so much going on. There's so much I can do and can't do and can do and can't do. I'm just drowning. I'm never going to be able to swim. I'm never going to be able to get into it. Well, let me just encourage you. Start with John 3.16. Just back on out. Come out of the waters you're swimming in and come out to the ankle deep. And get used to it a little bit. Get comfortable with it. Give yourself to it. Because here is as Jesus is talking to someone that thought he was a teacher, thought he was a leader, and they'd lift him up to be somebody. Jesus says, you don't even understand the new birth, man? You marvel at this thing? When I said you must be born again? You marvel at this, verse 7, marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou, thou hearest the sound thereof, and canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit of God. That is born in the Spirit. It's not just so is the Spirit of God, so is every one, you, that is born of the Spirit has such an effect on the individual where he says, listen, you, you can't understand the way of someone who's born again if you're not born again. You can't look at it and say, oh, I totally get it. I totally wrap my head around it. You cannot see it. You cannot understand the kingdom of heaven if they're about the Father's business, born in the kingdom. You can't look at it and say, listen, I want to be swimming in that water. Just get in the ankle deep and you'll get there. Now, John 3, verse 14 says it this way. He says, start here. He says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That's the cross. He says, and whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now that seems like, Brother Andrew, we quote that, denomination hangs on that, everybody puts their hat on that and says, God so loved the world, look at it, it's wonderful. No, you need to put your own name there. And say, God so loved me. 
He sent his only begotten son to die for me so he could redeem me. It's not God hates me and God loves this and God hates that. No, God loves me and that's what's important and I can hang my hat on that. So when the devil comes in like a flood, you say, I don't understand all this flood water. I don't know how everything works. But I know that Jesus loves me. And he's not here to condemn me. So if Jesus doesn't want to condemn me, why are you condemning me? There's your snarky attitude to the devil. If Jesus isn't condemning me, why are you always condemning me? If God, the God of justice, and he's just, and he's right, and he's sovereign, if he's not going to condemn me, what's your problem? Brother Brown says, start with that. Get comfortable with that. Splash around in that a while. Put your face in it. Learn how to swim in it. If you go on to the very next verse, verse 18 says, He that believeth on him is not condemned. Oh my. So we can just simply take that as a devil. That's where I'm starting at. I'm not condemned with what you're bringing up to me because I believe that Jesus' blood cleanses me from all sin. So I'm not going to stand here and listen to your belly aching and you're going on. And he says that he that believeth not is condemned already. Hallelujah. You could take the absolute contrast of it and see that because I believe, I'm not condemned. When I wasn't believed, you couldn't condemn me anything because the very fact I didn't believe condemned me. So what's the devil got to do with it anyways? Zero. He says, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. That light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And every one that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds be reproved. For he that doeth truth cometh to the light, and his deeds may be made manifest, for they are wrought in God. Now listen, listen closely. If you're standing in light, you have a choice. In here it's light. I want you all to look at that window right there. Y'all see that window? Or one close by it. It's dark. I'm not scared of what's out there. I'm in here. I'm in the light. I'm not terrified of what's going on out there. There's something in between us. It's okay. There's something that's blocking the light from getting out there. But the light is keeping the darkness out there. It's my choice. I don't have to be scared of what's in the dark. And that's exactly what the enemy is trying to condemn you with. Is He's trying to bring the darkness into the light to try and get you to accept the darkness by stepping out of the light and back into the darkness and trying to say that, yeah, you know what? You're right. And then all of a sudden you're condemned going, where am I? What am I doing out here? Why am I standing out here? I can see through the window now from the other side and say it's light in there. Why am I out here? I can't see my handle in front of me. I can't see where I'm going. I keep tripping over everything. I, I, I keep falling and failing, and I feel like the bottom of my bridge is ready to drop. But what am I doing out here? Why didn't I stay inside where the light is? Because you accepted the darkness. It's exactly why the enemy goes about as a roaring lion. He's trying to make you terrified of something that should not terrify you. Because he's trying to terrify you of a place that you're not there anymore. The very fact that you're in the darkness condemns you because you're in the darkness. Because you can't see anything. But when you come into the light, there is no condemnation. 
Because there is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. The light. Oh, there's so much more. Forgive me, I don't want to hold you. But that's what it's about, learning how to swim in the waters of the word. Learning how to step into the water, wade out a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper. See, I'm comfortable with this, Brother Andrew, I'm comfortable with, now move out a little deeper. The Bible says eventually you'll get to the knockout punches. Eventually you'll understand what it is to jump off the high board. Eventually you'll understand what it is to run down that water slide and feel that wonderful anointing and this is fantastic and down into the deep water and sploosh and woo, let's do it again. Y'all never been on a water slide? I pity every one of you. It's a lot of fun. You get on there, splash water everywhere and everything's fantastic and woo, and everyone's, no one goes, I'm not doing that again. No, it's get up, let's go. Climb back up, get back in there, shoot back on down again, and it's a great time. It's the same way in the Word of God when you finally get in there and you realize, you know what, I'm comfortable now. I can finally see my name in the Lamb's book of life. I got reason to rejoice. I got reason to get under the anointing. I got reason to recognize that God is here and he loves me and he's with me every step of the way. And no matter what the enemy throws at me, I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb. By my faith in him, I have overcome the world and the ways of the world I've overcome come the darkness and rather I can walk and my light illuminates because it's Christ in me and I'm now the life of Jesus Christ and I'm illuminating the darkness and then you get to recognize this is wonderful let's go again (laughs) oh my but where did it all start splashing in the kiddie pool you gotta start somewhere Let's all stand to our feet. Don't you love the Lord? I've often read the scripture. I love reading through the Old Testament and seeing Read the book of Kings and Chronicles and oh my, so many wonderful stories in there. And you read about David, you read about Elijah, you read about Elisha, and you read about these heroes of the faith. You read about the book of Judges and how you got Shamgar in there and you got Gideon in there and you got all these Ehud in there. You got all these different ones in there that are just, man, they're just, you know, it depends on what your, your personality is. Some of y'all, you know, you want to be the Gideon who's just, I'll just take 300 men and destroy millions. You want to be the sham guard, just takes an ox goat, just me and myself, and I'm just going to take out everybody. Some of us like the cloak and dagger. We like to be Ehud and hide a little cloak, little dagger in there and just take the devil at his weakest point. That's what he did. Go look it up in the book of Judges where he snuck into the king's, or he went to the king's chamber on pretense. And he got in there and right down where the enemy was, and he just snuck in there just like I did tonight. Got right in there, right where you're living, and then just sink the dagger in there into the enemy and then close the doors and say oh the king has to be left alone (laughs) just buy yourself enough time to get back out again we love to read about those things but it starts somewhere 
We want to be the Elijah that sits there and when Dothan's all surrounded and there's all the, the army and everybody's freaking out, we're under siege and everything's going to go terrible. And he says, there's more on our side than there is on their side. We want to be that man and say, yeah, amen. We want to take Psalms and we want to see that, you know, the angel of the Lord is encamped camped about them that fear God. And yeah, that's me, praise the God. But it starts somewhere. It starts to take in the simplicity of the word of God and realizing I want to take God at his word. And if God's moving on your heart to say, you know what, I want to get rid of some of these, some of these extra things that's wasting my time. I want to spend more time in the Word. I want to spend have more time in devotion. I want to have more time spent praying. I want to have more time on the knees. Move in that direction. It just takes the simplicity of saying, Lord, I'm going to step out and I'm going to take the sword of the Word tonight and I'm going to stand and challenge the devil to say, no, you can't have my time. That's one thing. You, got, you can make all kinds of money in your life. You can make all kinds of friends and friends will come and friends will go. But one thing that will come and, and one thing that will go and never come is time. It's always going, 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 gone. And you can't ever get it back. So what are you doing with it? So I'd encourage you to say, God wants a fresh drink of water. How is he going to get it? It starts somewhere. It starts by you being willing to step in. I'm not scared of the water anymore. Andrew, is there really fear of the word? Yes. It's exactly the reason that infidel lasted so long. Because people were scared to take God at his word. It's no different today. Young people, old people, middle-aged people, married people, single people, all kinds of people. Scared to take God at his word. But the Bible even says, he says, you've got the power within you, but you're scared to use it. Yeah. Amen. Scared to step in the water, get a little feet wet. Ah, I think I'm a kitty cat. Scared of the water. Don't be terrified of it. Wait in a little bit deeper. You're going to find in there, there's angels singing. There's brothers rejoicing. There's sisters having a wonderful time in the glory of the Lord. But you've got to get in the water. Don't you just love him? Hey, man, why don't we sing that song? You know that song, Step Into the Water. Wait out a little bit deeper. Is that on there, Brother Ethan? Oh, step into the water, wait out a little bit deeper, catch your feet in the water of his love. Oh, step into the water, wait out a little bit deeper, come join angels singing praises to the Lamb of God. Wet your feet in the water of his love. Oh, step into the water. Wait out a little bit deeper. Come join. 